Bishop, Bishop Flynn Johnson. Now raise those hands to the Father God who keeps you, sustains you, whose plan he's working out for you, the one who gives you purpose and reason for life, the one who provides and promotes. That's the God we serve. And we thank you and we love you, Lord. We love your name. We love your presence. We thank you for who you are. We ask you, Lord, that in this final meeting of 2023, set us on course. Help us to understand and to obey and give glory to your name. We thank you for this. And we, it's in Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said amen. One more time, give God a mighty praise. a mighty praise because he's mighty yes Lord yes Lord as you remain uh, as you remain standing I want us to get a hold of again our proclamation unto the Lord um I actually, I'm actually getting used to this. I actually like it. it it's, it's right. Amen. Amen. I'm trying to find it myself. I know she's got it up there. I guess I'm going to have to read from there. Praise the Lord. Okay. Take my glasses off. I can see. Amen. Together, we would be still. <laughs> we, some of us need that, right? <laughs> I'm, I'm wondering how many of you ever, ever have carved out within every 24-hour period a time, a place to be still. To turn off all your social media. Some of you would have a heart attack and be with God right quick. If you had to, if you had to turn off your social, turn off your phone, your phone, all your social media, and just be before God. Together, we would be still and know that you are God, King God, supreme in your authority, the ruling, reigning monarch of this universe timeless in your existence, ingenious in your creativity, and with totality of ownership. We stand in awe of you as we contemplate your awesome holiness, your majestic splendor, your blazing glory, limitless power, and unquestionable sovereignty. We worship you for your flawless clarity your infinite knowledge and wisdom, your absolute justice, unswerving faithfulness, unending mercy, matchless grace, 
and terrible wrath against sin. We bow our hearts and we bend our knees before you as we acknowledge your dazzling beauty, your fascinating personality, your incomprehensible humility, your unsearchable understanding, and your unfathomable love. We acknowledge that our greatest need is to have a far greater revelation of what you are really like. We ask you to meet that need. We would also join with Moses and pray, teach us your ways that we may know you and find favor in your sight. Thank you that you will answer these sincere requests. In Jesus' name, amen. Now just lift your hands to the Lord. One of the ways you worship God is in your imagination, in your memory, and in contemplation. The early church mastered this. It is one of the keys in knowing and experiencing the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord that has everything in it you need. We thank you, Heavenly Father, and we're asking you corporately, teach us the fear of the Lord. Teach us to fear your name. Teach us to reverence who you are. Teach us, Lord, get, de deliver us from fleshly fear and from the fear of man. Wash us, fill us with the fear of God. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The Lord, his eye is on the nation that fears the Lord. God becomes far away from nations that do not. And when you read the scripture, you understand that every nation has a God. If you consider every people group, if you consider every, um, every ethnicity, every one of them, wherever they are in the world, they have a God. They worship something. And, and God said, my people are unique because they worship the true God. And I want to share this morning, I want you to go with me to Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 19. been talking about we've been having this conversation about the fear of the Lord I feel like it's a conversation that needs to continue and as I look at the new year in just a few hours I'm considering in my heart before the Lord have considered what is needed what do we 
what, what must we have? What, what, it is, what is it that we must know as we go forward, as times become more terrible? As economies dry up? As disease spreads? As war is threatened even more throughout, not just this nation, around the world. What do we need? Lord, how would you speak to us? What must we know? Not just in our head. What must we experience? Know in our knowing. Now, I believe this word actually becomes non-negotiable not just for us but for all of his church now all of you that are watching and joining us online today of anything that you need to get a hold of is this subject we've been speaking about over the last few weeks I had an opportunity last night to spend time with one of my bishops not bishops that I that I submit to and follow but bishops that I lead and we had, an, we had an awesome conversation they were just in town for a few hours and so we spent some time together and I started talking to him about what I've been preaching you know when preachers get together they always, they always want to know what you're preaching you know and so I started talking to him about this subject and it so struck him. A conversation went from, you know, when you're just um, looking at and, and thinking about, did you say pontificating? My wife says pontificating. It, it went from a moment there of revelation and a moment of worship. When he began to, when his mind began to remember. The Holy Spirit actually started bringing back to his memory the things that he knew about this subject. And then he saw it. This is why I knew God was in this conversation. Then he saw it in light of what was happening to him and in light of what was happening to his people. And it just, it, what had happened, it, all the things that he'd been wrestling with, just pulled them all together in one thought and he got it. He's like, oh my God, I see it. It's the Holy Spirit that's able to do Only the Holy Spirit can do that. And I'm asking the Lord to help us this morning with this. To do it for you. God bless you. Amen. To do it in your mind. Some of you have never understood or even heard this subject, let alone read about it or studied it. And I, I, this subject matter we were speaking of is the very first lesson God gave my wife and I in our in the beginning of our salvation. When we committed our lives to the Lord, one of the first lessons, foundational lessons, God laid out for us. Her name is Joy Dawson. And she taught this subject. That was her forte. She, my wife and I are in Germany receiving the Lord and making the, the deep decision to follow him wherever he led us and to do whatever 
he commanded us. And you got to understand this. We grew up in church. How many of you understand when I say in church? Help me right now, Jesus. Um, We didn't grow up as the church. We grew up in church. In fact, we were, we went to church every Sunday. We didn't have a choice. Our parents were in the ministry. My mama was the pianist. My dad was the pastor. Oh, Lord, you PK? Yeah. You know how, you know how bad PK kids can be, right? I'm just kind of curious. How many of y'all uh, are PK kids? Uh, raise your hand. No, better than that. Stand up if you're PK kids. I want to see. I want to see that them bad kids. No, no, no. No, stand up. Stand up. Your, your daddy was a PK? Serious? Your mother? Your grandmother? Your grandmother? Oh, my God. Your father? Lord have mercy. No. Really? Lord have mercy. His grandfather. Your grandfather. Stand up, girl. You know, the, the grandkids, if your grandpa, let me put it this way. If, if, you're, if in your family line there's a preacher, stand up. Lord, look around. Look around. Oh, my God. If generationally somewhere in there, somebody in your family was re- called by God to preach the word, stand up. Grandfather, uncle, whatever it is in your family line. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They're still standing up, honey. No wonder why it's been so hard to preach to these folks. I, I, I get it now. I get it now. I'm, it's a revelation, Jesus. Thank you. Turn around and look at each other. Because, you know, God is a generational God. He tracks generations. He runs callings and he runs ministry down generational lines. Oh, yeah, he does. Is it possible that reason why y'all had it so hard is because of what God was trying to release in your life? You got to ask yourself, what is the enemy trying to keep you from? Oh, my God. You, you, you can hug each other and say, we're going to be all right, even though we're we're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. You may be seated. I asked that question because as I was talking with this bishop, and he saw it, I mean, he got it. I mean, it's like we were sitting there looking at the counter, and it was like one of those I got it moments. He said, He said, Bishop, he said, please. Send me your notes. <laughs> well, I, I, email, I emailed him. I compressed the file of notes and sent it to him. I said, he's going, I mean, he's going you know, he's got, he's, he's got problems. Okay. I, I, I mean, I emailed him the notes because I knew he got it. And, and when you get it, the Lord is opening up to you. And I'm, I'm wanting to this morning open a little more up to you so you can see when you see it. And you get the aha. It's like, oh, my God, it's on now. So let me try to do a little more this morning. And those of you that have, have uh, ministry in your family lineage, now, excuse me, just because you have lineage you don't have or you're not aware of any ministry gifts in your lineage doesn't mean God hadn't called you to ministry. Is this working? Testing one. 
My wife said, my grandfather and my father both said no to the ministry. They refused to follow God. They knew they had a call, and they said no, but I'm the first in my generation. Oh, my God. And now consider her children. Lord, I didn't know you were going to take me that way. Those of you that you have never acknowledged it, but you know God has his hand on your life for some form of ministry. You know it. You may not be walking in it. You may not be moving in it, but you know it down in your knower. By the grace of God, stand on your feet right now. I want you not only to stand, but look around. It's amazing. I'd like to even, I'd like to even venture that many of you that are standing right now that may not have or know of ministry in your lineage, that you, God had, had you in mind. He had you in mind generations back. And, and some of you have had terrible, terrible, terrible calamity and, and, and records of destruction that came before you. But you, God, has spared you. Before we enter into 2024, I need you to enter into 24 with a different mindset. It's not about what you traditionally, for most of you, it's not about what you traditionally anticipated as far as ministry is concerned. And for many of you, it may not be ministry as I am ministering today, but it is nonetheless, every bit as important every bit as crucial to heaven and God is the one who will begin to work it out but God has already put it in my heart to prepare the church to minister to the culture to change the culture as long as I can remember being called by God I knew that my purpose was not just to preach to people on Sunday morning. I have known for years that we were preparing God's people for the work of the ministry. I want to applaud your courage by standing today. The reason why I had you stand because I want you to be marked. I want the devil to see you. I want the enemy to see your resolve. And I want you to pursue with all your heart what God wants me to do for him. When I say ministry, the word ministry in the New Testament is actually service. What? Yeah. 
ministry in the New Testament is actually service. How will I serve God? And God gives ministry gifts to those so that they can do that. And the people he chooses to do it, nobody else would choose. But God does. I want you to lift your hands to the Lord and do what my, my, my brothers in the church of God in Christ do say one thing. Yes, Lord. <laughs> and just tell him, yes, Lord. You may not understand it all. You may not comprehend it all. But I promise you, you will. And all God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So what? Now, okay, Lord, I, I just didn't understand that this morning. Now I understand why I'm supposed to tell you what I'm supposed to tell you. So, here's the way it works. You all know the story about, you heard about that, the time in history when Pharaoh was so threatened in his leadership and control in the world that he decided I'm going that there was there was a word that a, a leader would come out of Israel. So what he did, he told all of the Egyptian midwives to kill all the babies that were born in a certain period. Y'all there? He said, I want you to get rid of them. All the boys. Not, not specifically the boys. If it was a boy and it was born within a period of time, I want you to, he said, he said I want the midwives to strangle them when they come out of the womb. So that the mother will never hear their voice cry. Y'all hearing? Y'all hearing? Rip them out and, 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 and choke them so that while the mother is in pain of delivery, you take the baby's life so she'll never know. But the Bible says the midwives feared God. What? They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. Pharaoh had the power to take their present life. God has the power to end life for you in eternity. They feared God more than they feared Pharaoh. And they let those babies live. Say amen. amen. Then, out of that trauma came Moses. And Moses is beautiful. And his mother, she, 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 hide, she hides him. You know the story. Wraps him, puts him in a basket, a waterproof basket. And, 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 and she and the daughter go down to the river and to put the baby in the water. Y'all deal with me. This is a great story, by the way. What's the name of the deal? Oh, yes, yes. Keep, yes, play for me. So, so the baby floating down the river. Can you imagine? Have you ever seen the Prince of Egypt? Have you ever seen the Prince of Egypt? You got to go back and revisit it again. It'll help you. Then 
then the baby ends up. Now, by the way, he's in the river, but God is the one who turns the river the way he wants. If he can turn the king's heart the way he wants, like a river, he can turn the river the way he wants. And he, 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 he takes the current, God gets in the current, and, and moves the basket right there at Pharaoh at Pharaoh's doorstep, back door, back doorstep, and his daughter said, whoa, and she looks, look, raises the door, oh, and she takes it, because she ain't had no babies, she takes that child as her own. Y'all know this story? And raises this child. <laughs> so Moses, who's called by God, and he doesn't know it yet, Moses, who has God's purpose all in his life. Moses, who is great in the sight of the Lord, and the baby has no idea, is raised in the back door of the devil. And so she raises him in all the customs. And God's not scared of what y'all been through. God have mercy. He's not scared of what you've been through. God is not moved by the mess y'all been in. Say amen. God is not upset with the wretched, ratchet. What's that word we use now? Ratchet? Ratchet. He's not, God is not scared of your ratchetness. Are y'all there? Look, tap your neighbor and say, you're ratchet, but you're still called. Tap your neighbor and say, I know you're ratchet, but you're still called. <laughs> and God is not changing his mind. So Moses is raised up, he sees all the debauchery, he sees the lifestyle, he, he doesn't know anything else, he doesn't know his mama, well, he doesn't know it's his mama, God was so awesome until not only did he put Moses in the backyard of, of, of a Pharaoh, he ended up hiring his, his natural mama to come in and nurse him, what is that? Is God awesome? Now can you imagine Miriam? She holding the baby. Moses is nurtured from his own mama's milk, and he don't even know that's his mama. But God is awesome. Isn't he awesome? Clap your hands because God did something like that for you. You didn't even know. You had no idea. But God was in it. He was. And so the Lord watches over him, and he, he grows up. And, it, it, and all that he grew up, he was educated with the finest education in the world that time. He was, he was sharp. He was, he, was, he was groomed to lead. He was groomed to be in charge. I can't give you all the details. We'll be here all day next week. So uh, since I only got 20 more minutes, only got 20 more minutes. Let me get to this quick. Keep me on track. So Moses, growing up in that household, becomes, in, in his youth, then now he's a teenager, now he's a young man, and he, has, he finds favor in the sight of his grandfather. So, you know, grandfathers uh, who are leaders are, are looking for predecessors. Grandfathers are looking. Now, who's gonna, who's gonna lead after me? Their whole, uh, uh, their whole uh, persona is what comes after. What I'm leaving. What comes after? To maintain what, what's been achieved and what's been accomplished. 
And you know the story, Moses, in, in doing so, he's, he gets to a point, and I'm convinced that God does this, he, he has an identity crisis. His identity crisis, by the way, the whole nation right now, I feel like, I feel like all of America going through an identity crisis. So let me just say to you, uh, you won't find, Lord, help me, please. You will not find your, you, you will not find your identity in the pronouns. You will not find your identities in multi-pronouns. And no matter how many of them you apply to yourself or use in reference to yourself, that will not give you, that will not feed you what you deeply, deeply need. And that is that God Almighty who saw down through the generations, who calculated your, your genes and your chromosomes and calculated the time in which you would have break forth in history and calculated how to keep you from being dead when you should have been dead even to bring you to this very moment. God, that God, that's the one who can really show you who you really are and make you satisfied with that in spite of the sinful urges of your flesh. Are you guys still with me? Now you know I'm trying to be kind, right? Because in here, I really am kind. I mean, I'm trying to be. But I, I, you need to understand something. That you, God does not, God does not, men do, but God does not make mistakes. He's too perfect to make mistakes. He's too precise. He's too scientific. He's too powerful to make a mistake about you. God is so bad. God, God don't, everybody else play checkers, God play chess. God looked down 5, 6, 16, 25, 135, 600, 1,000. He looks down a 1,000 moves and calculate where it's going to be because it's going to be where I want it to be. And one of those moves is this morning. <laughs> Touch the person next to you said, you are what God has made you. You are the person that God loves. Okay, so how will I do this? Moses grows up and, and in his, when he, now he's had an identity crisis and he's trying to figure out, you know, you know, it can't be, it can't be an Egyptian. I'm not an Egyptian. I, I mean, I'm not a Hebrew. A Hebrew was somebody you spit on. A Hebrew was like a dog in those days. A Hebrew was a, a slave, something to own. A Hebrew wasn't even hardly calculated as a person. He finds out, I'm a Hebrew? No way. Way, and 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 he, he, it's conclusive. It becomes conclusive to him that he really is, and he doesn't know what to do about that. Some of you may be wrestling with the call of God on your life. You may not want to think about it very much because it's so contrary to, so contrary to your past, your upbringing, even the even the even the image you have of yourself. 
But the truth is, God does not make mistakes. And when it's time for the God to reveal that, he'll wake that up. And it can cause tremendous conflict. In fact, do not be dismayed if you're having conflict over what I'm saying about this. Uh, it, that's part of this journey. And, and, and Moses doesn't know, he, he doesn't really know what to do about it. But there's something in him that he realized that maybe it was that mama's drink, I don't know. But there's something in him that when it came down to a justice issue, uh, he, he moves by his own hands to take things into his own hands to right a wrong. And he slays, he slays an Egyptian for the way the Egyptian was treating this Hebrew slave whom he now sees as a brother. And he realizes the penalty of his sin really is death. He doesn't want to face it, so he runs. And he runs and he runs. And he ends up, as some would say, on the backside of the desert, running away from his past, running away from his sin, running away from his disappointment where he thought things were going to go. Not at all. So one day, one day, while Moses, one day while Moses, I, I probably ought to talk about it uh, so that I, if I get in that, if I turn to it, it will be another hour. So he runs and he, 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 he takes up a life you know, a lot of folks like that, you know, they, in their riches, it's so horrible that they even can deny their riches in their background. And they want to live like what they would call common people to get away from the stigma of all that that meant. And Moses was that way. And he, he, he marries, he becomes like a, a shepherd. Instead of all the aroma of Egypt with the incense, he gets the outdoor air of sheep. And he's just counting time. Year after year after year after year after year. And he's coming to peace with himself, identifying not a, a, a leader of, of the, one of the greatest nations in the world, uh, not, 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 the, not Pharaoh, which he was slated for, but now he is a lowly shepherd, and all he takes care of are these sheep and his wife and kids. You know, after 10, 20 years of this, you just put, you put your past, some of you, oh, I, 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 thank you, some of you have been a long time away from your past, and you try to carve out something different. And, and, and you know, when God wants to get your attention, he knows how to do it. So you know what happened to Moses. Moses, on the backside of the mountain, he, 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 he's, he, he sees something flickering in the, in the, in the background. And it's in the in bright of day, but this thing that's flickering is brighter than the, the day is bright. And he looks over, he couldn't tell what, and he, he draws up the, up the mountain, and he, he's, He's curious and he finds, what did he find? What did he find? You know what he found. He found this bush. I don't know how big the bush was, but however big it was, it was on fire. He could see the fire. 
but the fire wasn't burning him. He's looking, and the bush was not crackling as a normal burning bush would crackle as it is deteriorated in the fire. The bush is like, and the fire is blazing. He said, what is this? Because it doesn't make sense to him. Are y'all there? And what does he do? He, he, he said, does he run away? Some of y'all would say, okay, we, I'm out of here. Right? And some of y'all say, I'm out. I'm, I'm good. What does he do? Tell me what he does. Talk to me. What does Moses do? He goes closer, and he's getting closer and closer. And then a voice comes out of the fire. It says, Moses, calls his name, says, don't go any further. Take your shoes off. For the ground you're standing on, talk to me, is what? Holy ground. So Moses, he, I mean, he is startled. Talking bushes? Talk is talking on fire, non-burning bushes? And then God begins to reveal himself to Moses. Moses doesn't become afraid in his flesh until the voice speaks. Before the voice spoke, he was drawn to the presence of God. When the voice spoke, it's clear that who or whatever this is knows me. God's voice speaking to him revealed who Moses really is, who he was, what he did, his past lifestyle, he can no longer hide it. It's brought right into the open. And Moses doesn't know what to do. But the Bible describes those who come into the presence of God, they really, if it's truly his presence, will begin, can tremble. And, and in fact, the Bible says, I'll tell you who are those that fear my name. It's those who tremble at my word. When God speaks, it reveals. Everything is wide open before God. God has no secrets. You, you, you have no secrets before God. God has secrets, but you have no secrets before God. And even God says, if you will, if you will learn to fear me, I will take my secrets and I will reveal them to you. The fear of the Lord does not run you away from God. The fear of the Lord is not fleshly. It is not fleshly fright. The fear of God is not, not I'm scared of what God going to do to me. I, I, I was thinking about this illustration when I was coming, coming, uh, coming here this morning. How many of you have been so scared you cried. I'm talking about you so scared tears running down your throat. Oh my God. How many of you have been so hurt? I mean hurt so bad that tears have come down your face. 
How many of you have heard a child when they're really hurt? What is that cry? Is anybody here in the building can recognize the sound, as, as, a, as Pastor Christopher was saying, the frequency of the sound of when a child is, is hurt deeply. I mean hurt. How many of you know that cry? How many of you know when a child is super scared, what does that scream sound like? You look at those tears, it's a whole different ball game. If a child is, if you, have you ever been injured so bad until tears come out of your eyes? Anybody, you know, in our culture, if you're a man and you hurt real bad, you're not supposed to cry because, you know, culturally, you know, you say, well, men, men don't, real men don't cry. How many of you men say, you could throw that definition away? Let me tell you something. I was hurting so bad, I couldn't help it. You ever, some of you have been, if you've been through certain medical procedures and they're not able to anesthetize you, I'm going to tell you something. You, your tear duct said, boy, you better shut up and let me go. I mean, because, I mean, <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't, you're hurting so bad, you don't even care. You don't even care who sees you cry. In fact, you hope whoever sees you cry will do something for you to stop that pain. You know what I'm talking about? And those, are, those, boy, those tears are real. Aren't those tears real? Have you ever felt those hot tears from a, a, a situation that is so painful? Devastating, frightful. How many of you have had tears that you have laughed so hard that you, <laughs> but you have laughed so hard when you think about that situation, you start laughing again. And you laugh so bad, you look up and tears are running down your face. I think the Lord kind of gave us that capacity something because he wanted us to understand there's a difference when it's truly the fear of God. When is it when it's the fear of God? It's like it's like it's like crying from laughter in the sense that it's not negative. It's not it's 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 not painful. It's not horrific. But it's so awesome, it's so wonderful or in this case so funny. Isn't it amazing God gave us that apparatus? I think he wanted us to learn what it's like because many of you have resisted the fear of God because you've not been able to decipher the difference between torment, the anticipation of judgment from your deep reverence and love respect and honor there's no character in the Bible no person in the word of God who ever came into the glory and the presence of God that was not impacted by who he is but we stood today and, and, and we're praying to God that we need to understand this your unfathomable love your terrible wrath against sin. To have a revelation of God like that puts in your heart what the Bible calls the fear of the Lord. Moses is on his knees before God and this bush 
it's burning, but he wants to get close, but God understands. God understands he can only get so close in God's true revelation of who he, of, in God's true relation of who he is. He can only get so, because if he gets too close and, he, and, he, and something hasn't happened to him, he is no more. When Moses said, but what's your name? What a, he, God said, I want you to go and tell my people, I hear their cry. I see their pain. I know what they're going through. And I'm sending you to deliver them. Moses said, what? Not me. And God actually insists. God is so impacted Moses' life by his presence. And he has to because that's not the last time he's going to see the Shekinah glory of God. That was just the first time. And the more he leads the people, the more glory of God he shows of himself to Moses. So that Moses is, 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 is something's happening to him on the inside. The Bible says his whole hair and beard, he wasn't that old yet, but it turned white when he came from the presence of God. What God is trying to do with his people is what is, 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 is this right here. When finally God performs, and I gotta skip a few, I gotta skip several years, and the people are let go, and Pharaoh can't stand a hold of any longer, and they finally are, are, have let the people go, and not only did they let the people go, Pharaoh he regretted that he let them go, and and you know he just like a like a dog, like a like a pig that goes back to slop, he he. He just said, no, 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 go, get him, get him, get him, get him, get him, kill him. You know, Barrel's crazy. He said, if I can't have him, no, you smart. some of you had some boyfriends, girlfriends like that. If I can't have him, ain't nobody going to have him. He was that kind of crazy. So he sent the whole, uh, he sent the whole Egyptian army after these people. God said, Moses, what's in your hand? He said, well, I got this stick. He said, raise that stick up. I'm going to show you what I'm going to do this stick. Moses raises his rod. The sea gets scared of Moses' rod. And the sea goes, whoosh, stands up on both sides. The people who are figuring, I'm, we're trapped. Here, here come Pharaoh, ain't no, can't go this way, can't go that way. Before us is the sea. Pharaoh is behind us, and he mad. They got blood in their eyes. God parts the sea. The people are like, what? What? Can you imagine? And they, they run in. They run in. They're looking on the side. Oh, my God. Is that a whale? Oh, my God. No, that's not a whale. That's a fish. What is, I mean, they, and, they, and they're running, and they're looking. I mean, you can imagine the, the, the waves had to be, the wave stopped had to be, had to be huge. And they look at, oh my God, oh my God. Would you shut up and move? Oh my God. <laughs> Moses, he's standing on a rock. Moses standing on a rock. <laughs> People running through. The last one, that last little doggy. <laughs> and the minute they get through, Moses drops his hand. 
And the waters go, after Pharaoh and them crazy people. I don't know about you, but I don't care what Pharaoh said. I ain't going up in there. Some, some of y'all ain't watched the movie. Uh, they in chariots, you know. They, they understand what? They're going to die if they, don't, if they don't listen to Pharaoh's command. But looking at that, I said, nope, I ain't going in there. They all run down in the chariots. And God waits. Not yet. Wait. 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 That last one ain't in there yet. He coming. He got about three yards. There he is. Now. Wham. Slams the door on the pathway. And, and the waters swallow up. By the way, if you go to the spot. Today, very, they just recently found, a few years ago, they found the, the wagon wheels of the chariots down in the base of the sand uh, where Israel crossed over. Clap your hands and say amen to that. This is really true. You can go online and check this out. It's the truth. They found the wheels. Pharaoh sitting there like, oh, no, he didn't. They're on the other side. And God supernaturally delivers them. It delivers them in a way that, that for all of history, everybody will know the power of God. Look at your neighbor and God can deliver you too, no matter how, no matter how, no matter how many odds are against you. God can and he will deliver you. If you do what he says, if you go where he says go, if you follow where he says follow, if you, if you obey the command of the Lord, if you will serve the Lord, he'll close a man. He will close the enemy off of your life. Tell your neighbor what I said. He'll close the enemy off of your life and he will give you the leeway to do all the things that he's called you to do. Moses is, the fear of the Lord is to serve a God like that. God gets him on the other side and God told Moses, he said, I'm gonna, I want you to go get my people from Egypt. I want you to go get my people out of, the, out, of the, out of the clutches of Pharaoh and I want you to bring them to this mountain right here where I reveal myself to you. Bring those people right here so they can worship me. And when they were on the other side and God and Moses had gathered them around the mountain, he said, God's going to speak to you. The God that spoke to me had told me to come get you all out of bondage. That same God wants to speak to you. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to speak to you. Same God that caused those plagues to come over all of Egypt. Put frogs in their bed. Put flies in their bed. Lord have mercy. Turn the river to blood. Cause hail to fall down and burn up the crops. Cause more fire to fall down from heaven and kill all the cattle. That God wants you to come at the base of this mountain and worship me. I want you to see this because I got to quit. God wanted his people to know and experience what Moses experienced. Say, Fury, go to 19, Exodus 19. So in Exodus 19, 
he gathers all the people. And God, Moses said, no, uh, by the way, if, you're gonna, if God's going to talk to you, you know, you're going to have to change your dress. <laughs> you got to take that. All y'all wearing that, please don't hear this the wrong way. All y'all wearing this jewelry, take your jewelry, your bracelets, your bangles, your earring, take all that, your necklace, all that stuff. Take it off. Not because it was bad, because what it represented was bad. It was the sign of the Egyptians on them. God said, I want you to take all that stuff off, change your clothes. Here's what your clothes are going to look like. All hope, a whole nation taking off all this stuff. And, and by the way, excuse me, one of the ways you know you have the fear of God is when God tells you the way you're looking is not, is not appropriate to represent me. Lord, I've called you to represent me, but you, you, you ain't looking like you need to look. Because if, you, if you're looking like that, they're going to think you're something else. No, I, I need you to look like this. How many of y'all, I know you don't want to hear this word right now, but that's probably that's, that's at the heart of what some of you are dealing with. And maybe one reason why you have not gotten a hold of what God wants you to do. Because you have worshipped how you look. So, so now, 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 and so you'll have to take this individually. So if you have anything about you that's displeasing to the Lord, when the fear of God is in your heart, you because you love him more than you love anything else and you hate what he hates if it means changing your look some of you your look is a representative of rebellion which is totally against God and God ain't got no problem with braids God has no problem with tattoos but if it's an emblem of rebellion I ain't going to cut it because I can do what I well please. Lord, forgive me. Help me, Jesus. Help me. Help me. Help, help, don't let the enemy take this. Take, don't, Lord, help them to see this like. Help me to say it like it. If your lifestyle is something that is not conducive to the kingdom of God and to the king that you serve, then God will cause you and God will, will prompt you to make a change on that. get so quiet God said God wants to talk to you so get all the people you should read the 19th chapter it's amazing man they took off all that stuff they put on it they all put on the, the, the garments that they were supposed to wear and they're all around the whole mountain and they all lined up uh, 12 tribes all the tribes lined up in order with the families of the tribes they all lined up and God this is God's debut He's coming to, he, God's going to show you who he is. Are y'all breathing? The Bible says that smoke and fire came down on the mountain. The whole earth started rocking and trembling. The people standing there and the ground is shaking. Ground can't help but shake because the one who made her is about to come down on her. Man, the people are standing there, and Moses, he's standing there. Are you guys still there? Hurry up, go home. Let these people go home. I'm trying, I'm trying to find that verse. Ten. Yeah, it is. Thank you, Fred. Appreciate that. 
Verse 10, God said to Moses, I want you to go and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments. Let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on, the Mount, on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for the, all the people, saying, beware that you don't go up on the mountain to touch the border of it, however, whoever touches the mountain will surely be put to death. No hand shall no no hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned, or he shall be shot through, <laughs> whether uh, beast or man. He shall not live. When the man, when the ram's horn sounds and the long blast, you shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down to the mountain to the people and consecrated the people and they washed their garments and he said to the people, be ready on the third day. Do not go near. Don't, don't even, listen, this was so awesome. Don't even touch a woman. In verse 16, so it came about on the third day when, when it was morning, but there were thundering and lightning flashes and thick clouds upon the mountains and the very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp, they what? What did they do? Trembled. They couldn't help it. The flesh. And Moses brought the people out to the camp to meet God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, verse 18, now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace and the whole mountain quaked violently. And when the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder and louder, Moses spoke and God answered him, with thunder the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up then the people spoke to Moses y'all ready you all there then the people spoke to Moses go down and warn the people so that they do not break through to the Lord and gaze and many of them perish. So, and also let the priests who, uh, who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves or else the Lord will break out against them. I want you to see this. When God exposed his nature to the people, they were not ready to deal with that. If you, if you write down Hebrews chapter 12, in Hebrews chapter 12, is mentioned this incident right here. The people told Moses, Moses, it's too much. It's too much. We scared to death. You go here, God, for us. Are y'all breathing? And then come back and tell us what he said. Now, we, we don't want God to speak to us directly. Because when God talks to you directly, it's so unnerving. 
I tell you, we, we, we can't, we, we just, we can't, we can't. Now look, you got two things happening. It's glorious, but they all want to run and, 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 and touch it. But when they get close, they're shaking and trembling because something is wrong with them. Ain't nothing wrong with God. They don't have what is needed to be in the presence of God. They don't have what it takes to, for God to manifest himself the way he really wants to show you who he is. He can't do it because if he does it, it destroys you. Because in them, they had what was actually what was opposite of God. The sin in them kept God from, from revealing to them who he really, really was. They said, no, I said, we're not. and by the way, unfortunately, this is the way it's been for the last hundred years or so in the church, the people say, well, no, just let God talk to the preacher. We'll go to church. Help me, Jesus. We will go to church so the preacher can tell us what God is saying. But we don't want to hear God for ourselves. Because oh, no. we hear God for ourselves. Something's going to have to have happen up here. Something got to happen. Something have happened, something got to be dead, right? I mean, if, if we hear God, if, if God talks to me personally, oh my God. Every one of you who stood up and said, I'm called by God. How do you know you're called by God? How do you know that, that something is greater than where, where you have been? How do you, because God was able at some point to let, let you know that a holy God has called you to a holy purpose. When you go to 12th chapter of Hebrews, they said, look, whatever you don't let God, don't, no, don't, no, don't let God speak. I'm going to go there. Go to Hebrews 12. Y'all there? This is the first scripture. This is the first passage God gave me in my early days of consecration to him. This is the first chapter he gave me. And it's the first message I ever preached from this chapter. Verse 18, you 12, 18, you there? For you have not come to Mount Sinai. You have not come to the mount, a mountain that cannot be touched by the blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind uh, uh, and to the blast of a trumpet uh, and the sound of words, which, 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 which sound was such that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, for they could not bear the command. Even if the beast touched the mountain, it would be stoned. So terrible was the sight that Moses said, I'm full of fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and the city of the living God. The holy Jerusalem, the myriads of angels, to the assembly and the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God, the judge of all things and to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, and to Jesus, who's the mediator of a new covenant, 
and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who's speaking for if those who did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised saying, yet once more, Yet once more, are you still there? Yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but I'm going to shake heaven also. And this expression, yet once more, it denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service, service with reverence and the, the word is godly fear. This translation says awe. It's godly fear, the fear of God. For our God, what does it say? Our God, he has not changed his nature. Now, what am I trying to say to you? I'm going to see if I can get it. When you have the fear of God in your heart, it qualifies you to be close to God. It qualifies you to hear God speaking directly to you. It qualifies you not to go on in your sin. When you have the fear of God in your heart, everything that's sinful becomes manifest to you. And because the fear of God is in your heart and you see that thing or that attitude or that way, you hate that thing. Lord, I don't want that in my life. When the fear of God's in your, in your heart, God shows you how much you look like the world. God, when the fear of God's in your heart, he shows you how ugly you are to him, yet he loves you. How ugly whatever is from the world is in your life. How ugly, how heinous, how terrible it is. And, you, and God will cause you, if you have the fear of God, to see it and hate it. The fear of God is the greatest deterrent to a life of sin. Because some of the God's people, like, like, like in the days of Moses, they did, did anything, basically anything they want, just enough to appease God. Let the man of God speak. I'm going to tell you a great day in your life is when you get up and you're in your private time before God and God shows you and you come and sit here and I preach what you saw. You go, oh my God. God never intended for one person to hear his voice to tell everybody else what he's saying. No, he, he, that ain't what, that's, not, that's not the way he functions. God, God never intended for the church For the people of God to go to church to hear a word that has been speaking to you all week long. Have mercy, Jesus. When the fear of God comes on you, 
it starts, it's like a, now you can see, you can discern what is evil and what is righteous and what is holy. (laughs) When the fear of God's in your heart, you don't have to be tripping over political parties. Because the issue is not the political party. The issue is what is right and what is wrong, what is righteous and what is wicked. And you easily make a choice. The fear of God was in your heart will, will, will keep you, will keep your eye, Lord, I'm, I'm looking at it, will keep your eyes straight when she's a bad mama jamma walks past you. Not because you can't look, but because you're faithful to your covenant. When the fear of God is in your heart and you have an opportunity to sneak it, to steal it, and nobody will know. When the fear of God's in your heart, it's like the mountain comes and it's before you say, oh man, we ain't doing that, we ain't doing that. When the fear of God's in your heart, you refuse to keep living that low life you've been living. When the fear of God's in your heart, when, when, when God's fear is in your heart, oh, you don't miss no tithe. In fact, you be looking for, okay, what else can I get? What else do you want, Lord? You won't act like, you won't act like 10% belongs to God and 90% belongs to you. By the time you get to the New Testament and the fear of God's in your heart, everything I own, all that I am and all that I own belongs to God. And never, what did you, do you want this, Father? Yes, sir, you give that to me. Because the same God that you fear is the same God that will provide everything and more that you need. Okay, I got to quit. When the fear of God's in your, in your heart, it's the gate that God put over David's mouth so he wouldn't say anything. When the fear of God's in your heart, it, it, it's, it's, it's actually more, it's greater than the lightning and the thunder. It's greater than that. Because when the fear of God's in your life, you will not lie. You will not cheat. You will not steal. Am I talking to the right people? It, 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 and if you do, quickly, what do you do? Quickly. Repent right now. Because of that precious gift. from the Lord. The fear of God's in your heart. You won't lie on the application. To make yourself look good. Fear of God's in your heart. You, 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 you won't use people to get what you want. When the fear of God's in your heart, You won't just marry any Tom, Dick, and Harry. You start consulting Almighty God. God, was was this you? Then let the thunder, then let the lightning, then let the voice, then let the frequency confirm, and then you know the decision you've made is a good decision. 
When you don't have the fear of God, you do everything that pleases you and very little of what pleases God. When the fear of God is not in your heart, you make whatever decision you think you ought to make regardless of who it hurts or where it takes you. When the fear of God is not in your heart, you, you neglect responsibility. When your fear of God is not in your life, then you go the way you want to go, doing what you want to do. When the fear of God is not in your heart, you won't respond to the call of God because you don't want to imp imposition yourself or put yourself in a position where now you become a servant, a giver instead of a taker. So whenever we talk about this, whatever character we bring up, you can start weighing, you'll start weighing things by this. Last service of 2024. Take a hand, 23. Last service of 2023. Take a hand of the person sitting next to you in the chair. I want, you to tell you, I want to tell you something, saints. God wants this prevalent in your heart and mind. The lack of it is why the will of God has not been manifest and why the kingdom of God has not come. I'm not talking about something religious. Because if it's religious, you just pick it up when you need it. When the fear of God's in your life, my God, now it, it's not like, you know, it's not like you're in, the, you're in the club and you're scared one of the members might come. Or it's like you're in the bar, at the bar and you're scared that the bishop might show up at the bar. Or what is the bishop doing at the bar in the first place? If I find you in the bar, I promise you I ain't coming there for the drink. I'm coming there to find you. <laughs> if you're in the booty shaking club, if, you, if you're going down to the booty shaking club, if you're down there looking at how, oh, and you pulling out your want to let it rain, and you know you, you letting it rain. I'm coming to say, dude, I'm just going to say, fire and brimstone. <laughs> By the way, that fire and brimstone manifested itself on Mount Sinai. When it manifests at the end, it's permanent. It's not holy. So, what are you going to do about this? Well, here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want, you got somebody's hand? Yeah. I want you to pray a prayer with each other. And this prayer is for God to teach you because this, this is not something that you don't just get it out of a book even though you go to the Bible to see it. You get it, God puts it in your heart. He, he helped you to see it inside. So if you don't have a Bible handy or you don't have a, a, a you don't have an electronic Bible or a, 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 your phone, your pad, and, and you're in a situation and you have to make a decision, that, that what he put in your heart comes up and you can see really clearly what I need to do. There it is. I do believe that the Holy Spirit, and this is one of the reasons why we have encounters. I think I believe the Holy Spirit wants to not only go after secret sin, but he wants to go after your heart so that 
your fear is not, I'm afraid of God. Your fear is, I'm afraid that God, he won't stay with me. Are you there? It's very different. So pray right there where you are with your, your friend who's called by God. We, we're walking into the mo one of the most tumultuous years we've seen in a long time. We're about to go into a, a, a non-returnable. We, we, we're about to go. We, where we're about to go, you... you you, you, what, what we've seen in the past, we've seen for the last time. Now we're fixing to go into a new era. I'm talking about in life, for real. And the one thing, one of the things that will keep you is this incredible way of the Lord called the fear of the Lord. It will guide you and it, man, it makes you treat your brother, your sister. It's like Man, it, the way you live, the way you think. Pray for each other. Pray for each other. God, grant my sister, grant my brother the fear of the Lord. Help them their eyes to see it. When they read the scriptures, Father, let it jump out of the scripture. Lord, when, when, they're, when they're alone and no one else is around, let your voice within them teach them this principle. Lord, qualify us. Qualify us for great riches and great responsibility. Lord, those that you want to promote that you haven't been able to promote because there's not enough of the fear of God in their heart. Lord, I pray. Let their character keep them where you're now ready to lead them. Lord, let those who've been fighting having a personal time with you every day, Lord, let that fight end today. Because we know how badly we need your word, your reverence in our hearts. Lord, will you open their eyes so that when they're in the marketplace and you manifest because of the level of the fear of God, may they immediately recognize it's you and obey you. Lord, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for giving them your character. I thank you, Lord, for the power of repentance. I thank you for those who will turn who in their heart right now because they know what it is that so easily persuades them. Laying aside every sin and every weight which does so easily beset us. Lord, let us run with patience towards you with this in our heart. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to talk about this. Help me to talk about it better. I thank you, Lord, for my brother and my sister. I thank you for what you're doing in their life. I thank you for the precipice, what they're sitting on right now. 
I thank you, Lord, for that open door before them that you decided to give them this before you opened and they walked through that open door. Lord, thank you. I praise you. I exalt you, Lord. My King, my God. My only truth. My way. My joy. Uh, in case there are those of you who realize that there needs to be um, a pub, if, if you know this, this is you and you need this, there needs to be a public demonstration of your turning from your own way to the way of the Lord. That you need a public demonstration of that just be, because the fear of God's in your heart and you're willing to say, okay, Lord, I'm willing to, to, to acknowledge even before the, my, your sons and daughters that I am turning turning to you I'm turning from and I'm turning to you that much fear in your heart is an amazing thing it's an amazing thing in a moment I want you to in, in, we're going to stand in a moment I want you to come and stand before the church and just say I'm one, I'm turning I'm receiving this because the things you said Bishop that, that need to be corrected in my heart we're going to pray for you imparting grace and anointing for you to go ahead and make the turn. Some of you are just need to publicly, some of you, your first step in a long time was standing up and saying, I know I'm called to ministry. What a courageous thing. And, there, and some of you have not gone forward in the service of the Lord because of things that have held you, held you back. I'm talking about things in your own heart. But you're turning from that today. For real. On this last Sunday of 2023, I want you to make your father proud that he knows you heard him. In Jesus' name, I want you to come and just stand now in this altar. I'll move back. Come and stand in this altar. Bishop, you, you've been speaking to me all 